What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Saturday Standouts. With me, as always, is my awesome co-host, Sam Deering. Um, Tonight, for you guys, what we have is going to be the 2021 NFL Draft um, linebacker prospects, as you can tell down there at the bottom of the screen um, with that banner sitting right there. It's going to be um, outside linebackers as well as inside linebackers. It's going to be a, a fun time. We're working our way through the defense right now. Um, but before we get going, and I ask how you are, Sam, um, if you guys haven't already seen um, our sponsors for the Unwrapped Sports Network. Check out the ticker there at the bottom. Um, we have mybookie.ag, and you get double your bonus if you use code um, your first deposit. Excuse me, you get double your first deposit if you use code USN100 there at mybookie.ag. March Madness, we're down to the Sweet 16, um, so you can be gambling on a lot of those games. I know I was very active early on in that, um, as well as rxhemp.com. If you head over to rxhemp.com and use code rxhemp dash. Mm-hmm. Um, USN, you will get 10% off every single one of your purchases, guys. Um, it's a hot and cold um, mechanism. It's all natural CBD pain relief cream. Guys, it's just CBD. It's not THC. So, you know, if you're worried about, you know, the marijuana or, or pot or anything like that, you're not going to get that. You're just getting the, the soothing effect that CBD provides to you in, in that, um, as well as our online store. Head over to teespring.com backslash stores backslash unwrapped and check out all of our unwrapped merchandise. Um, there's things from sweatshirts, t-shirts, to stickers, whatever you can ask for. Um, there's a bunch of different styles as well. There's a Hollywood design. There's a, um, thank you come again sign. Um, so like your convenience store stuff, it's, it's really cool. Um, you know, unwrapped sports designs we've got going on over there at teespring.com and you can find all of your favorite shows, including Saturday standouts, which you can see I am wearing, um, our crew neck sweater right now. Um, that this is our logo Saturday standouts. You can find all that merchandise on there. I've also got a sticker on my, um, you know, little beer cooler, beer fridge or whatever you want to call it back there. Um, I've got it on the side. You can't see it from up front, but, um, teespring.com backslash stores backslash unwrap. Go get all your unwrapped merchandise as well as your favorite shows merchandise as well. Um, we really appreciate you guys. And then I'll tell you guys a little bit more, um, about our Patreon, you know, a little bit later as we get going through the show. Um, but Sam, how are you doing tonight, my man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited to you know tackle the linebackers. Um, pretty easy week for me. I'm on spring break, so. <laughs> oh, that's nice, man. Uh, all the, you, you, at least you're not flocking to Florida like everybody else. Um, <laughs> that that's caused quite the commotion, um, especially down in you know the Miami area, South Beach. Everybody likes to go and flock down mm-hmm. there. So, um, they're they're having you know quite the time trying to deal with all that going on. But um, happy you're on spring break. I hope your midterms went well. Um, I think that was last week for you. So, um, you know, hopefully those turned out okay and, you know, finish up that that college career that you've been working hard on. So it's awesome. Um, but without further ado, guys, um, also, if you haven't already followed us, um, give our show a follow on Twitter at Sat Standouts USN, all caps USN right there at the end. Um, we, we don't post as much as we probably should, but that's where you'll find all of our content that we put out. Um, whether that's, you know, the podcast form or the live show or anything that Unwrapped really has going on, um, follow us there. You can follow myself at CHS Knoll right there at the bottom next to my name. And you can follow Sam as well at um, Sam underscore Daring 68. He puts out a lot of great content as well. Um, they just did a revamp of what used to be the, was it the Milwaukee? Um, um, Dairy Sports was Wisconsin Dairy Sports. Sports. So we're now Dairy strictly Sports, football. Right. Right, right. So they, they've moved over from Dairy Sports, um, and they're doing um, Strictly Football now. I think it's it's called The Blitz or, yep. or something. Yep, The Blitz. Um, I got it right. Um, so, you know, <laughs> Sam, Sam's just kind of remastering some stuff he's got going on over there. I know he's one of the main guys over there at The Blitz and uh, previously Dairy Sports. So um, awesome stuff that we both have going on. Tribeholics, we just had a huge show. My Knolls are in the Sweet 16. I'm so happy about it. I just hope we can keep it going. We got a tough matchup against – um, Michigan. So that'll be fun to watch, but um, we'll get off of all, all the talk and everything that, that we just started with. And we're going to go ahead and jump right into it, guys. The 2021 NFL draft is coming up very soon. Um, we are going to have, you know, two shows that are going to be conjoined together at some point where we're working on the, the small details of that. So if you guys watch the hard count, um, it's more of the NFL geared version of Saturday standouts when it comes to the Unwrapped Sports Network and their show with Connie and CJ. Um, they're going to be joining us on our show for a mock draft, and then we're going to be joining them on their show, um, the hard count for a mock draft as well. So you guys pay attention. Look out for the details for that. That's going to be exciting. But, um, yeah, like I said, the NFL draft is you know slowly approaching us. I mean, it's a lot quicker than I initially thought. But um, we're going to jump into linebacker prospects after that, you know, next week's um, 
we're going to start getting into, you know, the secondary safeties, corners, all the fun stuff there. Um, so which a bunch of corners haven't put up good numbers at the pro days. Um, but we'll stick to linebackers for tonight, Sam, and I'll let you kind of just lead off here. Um, you know, with our number one guy, um, our, our number one guy, the Micah Parson, the linebacker out of Penn state who, um, decided to opt out of the season when the big Ted said they weren't going to have a season and then didn't end up opting back in like a lot of other players did. So we didn't get to see a lot of him, but I'll let you take it away there with Micah Parson, Sam. Yeah. And like you'd mentioned, Caleb, he's one of those guys that opted out. And because of his opt out, we saw guys like that. We had, you know, a lot of talk on last week, like Jason Oway, Shaka Tony. The biggest thing for him, yes, not only is the opt out, but he's dropping. He's dropping outside of the top 10. And a big reason for that is his off field maturity issues. And I think he, I believe he has the talent the talent to go as early as, you know, the top five, top seven. If I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, TJ Edwards is good. He is not a true linebacker. If I'm the Philadelphia Eagles or even the Detroit Lions, but the Eagles specifically, they need a true linebacker. But the off-field issues that we've seen come out over the past few months from Micah Parsons during his time at Penn State shows a lack of leadership, in my opinion. Um, but other than that, dude, like he's got – he's everything you want. And, you know, when we were previewing the Big Ten, um, I had mentioned Jordan Reed over at the Draft Network. Um, I want to say he had taken the time, like, he sat down with Micah Parsons and talked about his recruiting process. And I think Micah Parsons said something like he wanted, you know, to be one of the best, if not the best player to ever come out of Penn State. And, like, with the limited time, like, because of this opt-out, with the limited time that he had at Penn State, he made history like he he was nothing short of impressive and micah parsons is the perfect franchise cornerstone for any nfl defense um he's got the talent to go in the top five i think he's a top five arguably top seven prospect but those off-field issues are definitely concerning and i think that's what's going to be you know one area that he's going to drop um and you know from what you know a lot of analysts seem to be saying it seems to be his vision is a little bit inconsistent at times um, but, you know, he's got the speed, athleticism, and the other, that elite body frame. So he's everything you want in an NFL linebacker. It's just the consistency in his vision and more so his, you know, his off-field issues, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Penn State might have had their pro day. I might be I might be wrong. Um, but once he gets into those, you know, one-on-one -on -one interviews with teams – that's going to be the one thing that probably is going to be brought up a few times is like, what can you bring, you know, on the field? What is your leadership skills? Like that's going to be one thing that's going to stand out. You know, I think for a lot of NFL teams. Yeah. And like, let's not get it wrong here, guys, this linebacker class isn't, you know, linebackers like we've seen in the past with Roquan Smith or a Devin white that, you know, just won a super bowl with Tampa Bay, but this is your number one guy most likely overall at the linebacker position just because of his freakish style of nature, the way he does play, you know, the game of football. Um, Sam, you've already, you know, mentioned beforehand about his off-field issues or whatever is going on there. I don't think it was very public about what's been happening on or off the field, excuse me, but there's obviously some current concerns there when it comes to NFL scouts. Um, some other things that I'm seeing as well across the board really is his lack of coverage. You, you didn't really see him, you know, participate in a lot of coverage schemes when he was at Penn State in college. And that is kind of worrisome because you don't get a lot of film on that. You know, when you don't see a lot of film, how is that going to translate over to the NFL when, you know, no matter what position as at the linebacker, if, whether you're outside or inside, at some point you're going to have to cover, whether it's a running back, a tight end, a, a wide receiver, because you're, you're blitzing from the outside instead of from the inside. Um, that's worrisome a little bit, in my opinion, when it comes to Michael Parson. And that, that's just something, you know, more scouts are starting to see. He's pretty decent in, in run um, when, it, when it comes to the run, but um, not overly, you know, aggressive, not overly physical, um, just kind of one of those guys that gets it. But if he just really tapped into everything that he could potentially do, he would be, you know, a force of nature. You would talk about him like the Roquan Smiths. You would talk about him like the Devin Whites. But we're not there yet with him. And, you know, losing last year, him not – playing last year goes into the effect of that 
And I've actually got a quote here um, from a director of college scouting um, about Parsons. And, and this is quote um, from him saying he's very overrated to me. He doesn't play downhill, um, is not physical taking on blocks, is a clean air guy, and his instincts don't jump out. He is a freak athlete that can rush the passer. Take I would scratch him from top 10 consideration. What are your thoughts on college scouting? I, I think it's interesting, and I, I think he's one of those players that if he would have played – I think everyone would have, you know, like that director of college scouting, you would have seen a lot more of, you know, areas that he could have polished up. And we're not really, you know, bashing anyone and criticizing like nobody is for opting out because it's rightfully so. Like we've, we saw tons of players opt out, you know, during or, you know, halfway through their college football season this past year. Um, but he definitely, he certainly has a lot to prove and, um, he's turning into this, you know, what hit or miss player for a lot of teams. And it's not just his character issues, um, you know, off the field that, you know, we've seen or you know, reports that have been out the past few months. But um, I think if he would have played this season, um, I, I very well think that, you know, that that director of college scouting, um, the quote that you had just mentioned, um, I think his quote would have been a lot different. Um, I think his quote would have been a lot different. Yeah, um, most likely, you know, missing this season does, did not help his case at all um, at this point heading into the NFL draft. Whether his he's had his pro day or not, we didn't we haven't really heard anything about it coming out about how he's testing, whether that's his his vertical, his high jump, his forty, any type of drills that he's doing or anything like that. So um, it's still just to be waited on. So I mean, it's kind of a Weird, you know, linebacker class year. There's nobody really that stands out. I mean, I guess you could say Michael Parsons is that guy. Um, there's some big names, but I think my number one overall guy is probably the next guy who we're going to talk about. Excuse me. And that's Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, um, the linebacker out of Notre Dame. And I was high on him. I don't remember what we were talking about. Maybe we were doing um, our last mock draft <clears throat> or something like that. And I was talking about when you – look at him from a linebacker standpoint in terms of what he is and what he does. He's smaller guy. Mm -hmm. He's not big. Right. So he's about what, um, he's two sixteen. He's six, two, two sixteen. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, he's not huge. Um, six, two for a linebacker is okay. He, he's a little bit bigger than, um, the guy I compared him to originally in our mock draft. And that was Kelvin Smith. And it's just the way that, and obviously former Florida State linebacker who is now since out of the league because of off-the-field troubles that are very common when it comes to, you know, the NFL and people can't control the things that they're doing when they're on their own and not being supervised all the time. But on the field, just looks like him, um, just flies around the field very fast, very quick, twitchy when the ball is in the hands of the offense. He gets after the ball. He's a headhunter. He will go to kill, you know, like he, he is trying to get the ball ultimately, whether he has to knock your head off or try and strip you, hit you as hard as he can. He is physical. So he's a complete opposite guy of what we were talking about with Micah Parsons and the fact that he does play physical and he's undersized and he, and he has to be able to do those things and bring that, you know, day in, day out at practice leading all the way up until game time. And that's just something he has to do. So, um, what are your thoughts on, on Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa? Because, you know, I just, you know, gave a little short runaround right there. But, you know, give me your your vision and what you see him, you know, being in the NFL and, you know, where you necessarily think he's going to go. I've, I'm fully on board. And, like, I've, I've, I've loved this guy all season. And, you know, we've praised, we've praised this guy on, like, various episodes that we've had. Um, yes, he's not, you know, the average size for a linebacker. I'm interested to see if teams want him to bulk up, um, to see what primary position he plays. But, you know, the thing that stands out to me is his elite vision and his speed and the ability to make plays from all over the field. I have seen people on Twitter say that he is talented. He is a top 10 talented prospect. I had one guy on Twitter say there, I saw one tweet from a guy that said, and like, I don't even want to argue this because I think he's shown a lot of traits that he could be. Um, is he going to be selected in the top 10? I don't think so, but like, I don't think it's impossible. Um, is he going to be selected before Michael Parsons? I think that's strongly the case. Um, and I mean, there's a reason why, you know, this guy has been, 
not only in first round mock drafts are specifically, but he's rising in several mock drafts. And, you know, he's going to go into the, in the 11th or 20 range. And because, you know, there's so many, you know, ways that those teams could take their draft or start their draft. But yeah, the big thing to me that stands out with him is, you know, not only his consistency, but I love his vision, his vision and his speed against the run um, and his, his ability to just make plays all over the field. And I, you know, I've, there, there's a few players that I like, there's three players, actually four that, you know, I have on my wish list. One I think is possible. The other three are not. One of them is Jeremiah Obuso-Koromoa for the Packers, which is not happening. <laughs> the, other, the other one's J.C. Horn, which we had briefly mentioned this today. We'll go over corners um, in a future episode. 4-3-9-40. And you know me. I've been a big, big J.C. Horn guy all, all year. Bigger and, than I have, that's for sure. Yeah. Yep. Big J.C. Horn guy. Um, the third one, I don't think this is going to happen, but you know this would be amazing if this happened. He also had his pro day today. Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, we talked about him a few weeks ago, talking about the offensive linemen. Him and Elton Jenkins at guard would be a dream come true for me. <laughs> but there's one guy that I think is very, very possible, selected at least you know late second, early third round for the Packers. And that's a hybrid guy out of USC, and that's Talanoa Hufanga. And that's another guy that I – one of my favorite guys to watch in the Pac-12, um, along with Kayvon Thibodeau, a 2022 draft prospect. But, um, yeah, I mean, you seeing Cormoa as your linebacker one, that's one of those guys that I'm not going to – I can't argue with it because, you know, Micah Parsons opted out. And, yes, Cormoa is undersized. But look at all the other edge rushers that are undersized. Quiddy Pay is not this Gregory Russo guy. Quincy Roche is not this, or Quiddy Pay is not this, you know, Quincy Roche or Gregory Russo guy. Aziz Ojalari is another good example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's rising up these draft boards. So, I mean, certain positions, I think you can definitely make a case that size, size does not matter as much. Um, now, if you're looking at a guy over the edge rushers, you know, like maybe a guy like Chris Rumpf or Hamaker Rashid Jr. might have to bulk up a little bit, but they certainly have like make a case, even Zach Bond, they can certainly make a case with their talent that size does not matter. Um, and I think Koromoa can be a guy that does that. Yeah. And I just think the way the NFL is going, the fast paced movements of the offense, whether that's, you know, running reverses or, you know, slots, having three set wide receivers in the shotgun, every single possession or, things of that nature, you're going to need guys who are speedy, um, guys who are quick twitch, like I was talking about earlier with, with um, JOK. Um, and so it's just, I think that's a great example of the type of player that the NFL needs in a linebacker, flies around the field. And when he was at Notre Dame, they kind of play a different sort of defense to where you're not really considered a linebacker. You're kind of just like wherever you're needed to be is where you're going to be. And whether that's blitzing that you're going to blitz, if you're going to cover, you're in cover. And he spent a ton of time covering the slot position, um, you know, for, for a linebacker to be able to cover slot that that's telling in my opinion that this guy really gets it. He had an over 80 uh, an 80 overall grade higher than that, actually more around 82 in pass coverage at the linebacker position. He's just an all-around type guy, and he's the complete opposite guy from a Michael Parsons like we were talking about. Um, I mean, there's a hit against Florida State where he just absolutely destroys a guy. His lateral quickness and his explosiveness, like, I mean, that all comes down back to the quick twitch. Um, when you're able to do that at a moment's notice, as soon as you know where the ball is going to be and when it's going to be there, and you can make that movement to get there as fast as possible, whether that's laterally, whether that's exploding through a hole, um, you know, he just brings it all. And I think he, he is my number one linebacker right now over Micah Parson. But, I mean, it, it'll probably be close. But I think what, you know, Gormoa is is showing to a lot of scouts is that don't overlook me just because I played at Notre Dame. You don't see a whole lot of, you know, linebackers come out of there unless it's um, Manti Teo or, or something mm. like that a couple of years back. You don't really see a lot of Notre Dame, you know, linebackers come out and, you know, further their NFL careers or – don't underestimate me because of my size. Just turn on the film. Look at my testing numbers. Look what I am able to do. And it's just natural to him. It doesn't even look like it's hard. And that's something I think is going to be, you know, really helpful when it comes to him um, in the NFL draft. I think he's probably a day, a day one guy. He'll probably get drafted in the first round. Um, but I don't see either of these linebackers going 
I mean, maybe one of them will go top 15, but we'll see if that happens. I think, you know, maybe both of them drop out of there and we'll see who goes first. Um, but we'll move on here and we'll move on to uh, another guy. Um, and this guy is actually out of the SEC, um, played for the Missouri Tigers, and that's going to be Nick Bolton. Yeah, I like this guy. Um, I think, you know, I think where he excels is, you know, definitely against the run. And I don't recall which game I had watched, um, but I watched a few games on him. And, like, you know, the one thing that definitely stood out to me is his speed. Um, he's not really a, you know, he's six, he's six foot 232. Um, so, you know, he's not a little over the average or just under, maybe I would say. I don't, I don't even know what the mm -hmm. average you know, size or height for linebacker is. Um, but, you know, he's not a very, he's not a very polished tackler. Um, you look at a guy like last year that, was a wild tackler, probably a little bit more wild than, than Nick Bolton. That's Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. I loved Kenneth Murray. It's a guy that I wanted out of the, from the Packers, but the Chargers traded up for him. Um, but, you know, he's not the most polished tackler. There's certain minor areas of his game that needs polishing. Um, you know, some people have looked at him and said he's kind of, you know, kind of slow off his blocks. But um, Nick Bolton has been consistent, very consistent throughout the majority um, of his career over at Missouri. Um and, you know, I've seen multiple mocks with him, you know, falling or heading from, you know, the 28 to 32 range, even 29 to the Green Bay Packers. You know, Christian Kirksey was cut, picked up by the Houston Texans. The Packers need a true linebacker now um, because, you know, Kamal Martin shows he's shown flashes, but I don't think one year is going to show it that they that he's their true linebacker. The Packers need a true linebacker. Go back and watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, I I didn't really hear a lot of Bolden. Um, haven't really looked a whole lot at Bolden to see what he's done, but he's been very productive um, over his past two seasons. Just a real all-around solid, you know, linebacker that you look for in the NFL. He probably won't start in the NFL, in my opinion. He doesn't, you know, possess the speed, the athleticism, the length to be able to be that starting linebacker. Mm -hmm. Well, now maybe he could be. I'm, I'm not going to dismiss that based off the fact that he makes plays. He's very productive, like I said before, and that bodes well when it comes to being a guy who needs to, you know, rotate in, fill in, or, or one of those instances where maybe you're playing a different, you know, package there on the defense and you can be able to put him in there to where a lot of offenses might not pay attention to him at that point. You know, it, it's one of those things when it comes to him. He's pretty much – but the one thing that stands out to him it, in that you don't really see with these other guys, and I was talking about, you know, Koromoa with his – you know, quick twitch, athleticism, his explosiveness, things of that nature, and how he's able to do that. It's kind of the opposite here, too, with Bolton. But you throw in that his vision is astronomical. You see him being able to diagnose a play before it almost even happens um, in the little bit of film that I was able to watch. So um, he's very good at that, and that's, that's going to be, you know, very coveted in the NFL because there's a lot of information that's passed along to you at that linebacker position because you are expected to know everything because you are the middle of you're not the last line defense, but if somebody gets through the first, you gotta be the guy to stop them or else they're most likely gone. You know, these, these corners could, you know, just get run over by a Derrick Henry or, or whoever you gotta be able to fill holes, be able to diagnose the play before it happens, react to what happens if it's not what you originally thought. And he does a great job of that. I, I really like him being able to do that. Um, it's, it's at, it's almost, at, almost already at an NFL level, the way he does do it compared to the rest of these linebackers. So I think that's a promising thing that NFL scouts are going to really like about Nick Bolton and the fact that he did play in the SEC. And with that being said, we'll move on to, um, our next guy. And that's going to be, um, I don't know. A lot of people might've not known this name coming into this season, but over the course of this season, I guarantee you, you probably knew this name by the end, and that is inside linebacker slash outside linebacker out of Tulsa and Xavier Collins. Big boy, 6'4", 256, still runs a decent 40 at about 4'7", 8". Um, what are your thoughts on Xavier Collins? Because he wasn't on my radar to start the year at all. I had no idea who this guy was, and then you go and put on the film of this kid, and you're just like, like why did I ever like not even pay attention to this? Right. And I think the big thing that stands out is he's 6'4", 260, and he still possesses a lot of versatility. And, you know, there were people from, you know, Tulsa, might have been like the Tulsa, like one of their social media pages. Zayden Collins might be one of the best guys to come out of Tulsa. And like, yeah, that might not say a lot because Tulsa is not this big jaw dropping school, 
but that's huge. And I think Zayvon Collins has a chance to be drafted, you know, before Nick Bolton. Because I, I think one of these guys could be drafted in the first round, and I think it's a stronger chance it might be, um, you know, Zayvon Collins. And but he's two sixty, and I'm not saying that's concerning. He doesn't have elite speed, but again, he's explosive. And the big thing, but it appears, I guess it. Go ahead. I, I, what I was just going to say is that it just appears so much faster. Like when I watch his film, he just looks like he moves right. that body like right. so fast. And I just don't, he looks big too. And so you can't just dismiss the fact that he's big and can't move. Right. But then I look, maybe the competition, but I mean, you're still playing D1 guys. So like it's not. Right. Uh, and like he, it's right. And like I don't think it's like weight concern because you know like we had both like you had just alluded to like he moves extremely well for being a 260 pound linebacker like yeah you might see teams like you know cut a bit but like that's a big boy like a linebacker that's you know 6'4 260 like himself I would not mind like I don't think that's weight issues at all especially for like especially for him playing throughout the season and proving that his weight is not a concern and like mm -hmm. his ability to, you know, have that vision of his own and, you know, his versatility, his inside slash outside, he's played multiple positions on that Tulsa defense. So I think that's definitely a case that, you know, you know, 260 pound linebacker at six, four is not an issue, a weight issue. And I think you had said four, seven, eight for uh, his 40, not elite speed, but for a guy, his size, that's still pretty good. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I, go, I was already talking about his film. You put on his film and you can automatically know that this guy is probably the most well-rounded linebacker in this draft class because he possesses that size, but he also possesses the ability to make the decisions. He has the ability to blow up a play. He is quick with his size. He's quick. I'm not saying he's, you know, Cole or Moa quick, but he's a quick guy. Um, and he can get in there and disrupt something really quick. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I believe that he had the best overall grade um, from the linebacker position this past season in, in college football, um, averaging out from both run and passing grades. Um, he averaged out at like, I think a 91 for like from both of those. That's extremely impressive from a linebacker position in the D1 level. Um, just possesses just huge physical presence when he when he's coming through the line or when he's blitzing and. You know, not every team is going to want a 6'4", 260-pound just horse, you know, in the middle of the field, you know, or on the outside, wherever he – whatever team decides to pick him. But, I mean, damn it, man. Like, if you if you want a linebacker, I think Xavier Collins is the guy you go after, even though I do have Cormoa as my number one. Um, I think Xavier Collins is right behind him. I have, I have Micah just slipping back to three. I know it's hard to do, but – um, I like both of these guys very heavily and they weren't talked about enough in my opinion. Yeah. And that's the thing too. You had mentioned before we had brought him up that like not a lot of people talked about Zayvon Collins. And I think you could almost make a case that Nick Bolton wasn't talked about enough because yes, he's playing in the sec, but he's playing at Missouri and like Missouri is not an LSU. Missouri is not a Georgia. Missouri is not an Alabama. Missouri is just an average, right? Like right now, they're an average SEC team. And, you know, there's, to me, there's a few players that come out every year that are like, wow. Like, I mean, from Missouri, I would say the jaw dropping guy this year has most certainly been Nick Bolton. But like outside of Zayvon Collins, because I definitely agree that Zayvon Collins more so than Nick Bolton. But I think you can somehow make a case that. For the reason being that he's playing for he played for Missouri, that Nick Bolton was the guy that you know might not have been talked about as much as people had hoped for, even though right. he is has been seen in multiple first round mock drafts. Yeah, I don't want to say like Xavier Collins hasn't been talked about enough. It's everybody was talking about him at the end of the year. I'm I'm, I'm talking about before that. Nobody right. had him on the radar. Nobody. Like, like you're, you're not looking at him like a Micah Parson, you know, next year he's just going to explode. Like, no. And then all of a sudden he just does this and unleashes that. And you're just kind of mind blown by, by what you're seeing out of this kid. And, you know, he's, he was productive before, but this year he just really exploded onto the scene. Um, a lot of scouts like him. Um, there's some scouts that have questions about maybe his physicals and physicalness in terms of trying to take on blocks or things of that nature tends to like to use his space more than, you know, just take on blocks. But, 
um, that's teachable. I think, you know, like that's something you can be able to teach a young man who's very impressionable at this point in his career. Um, but we'll keep things moving here. And we're going to go into a guy who, you know, a lot of people had high expectations coming into the season and didn't necessarily live to hype. And, you know, the funny thing is, is this kid started out as a quarterback at the college that he went to prior to moving to the linebacker position, which is kind of crazy. You don't see a quarterback moving over to linebacker and, you know, like quarterbacks, you know, I don't want to be touched. Like, oh, don't hurt me. Like, oh, whatever. And this guy moves over to linebacker and just is a force. And that's going to be Chaz Surratt. Um, linebacker out of North Carolina. Yeah. And another guy like not doesn't have this elite size, but it's not really anything that's, you know, concerning, <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, his, this, I love this guy. This is one of my favorite linebackers in this draft. And I think he should be talked about more his first, his first game, <laughs> his first season, he played two years at linebacker and blew up and like you had mentioned his first two seasons he was at quarterback and he played he barely played he didn't play a ton he wasn't even he wasn't starting if i'm not mistaken and he moves over in 2019 to linebacker totals over 100 tackles 115 total tackles or 66 so six and a half sacks and then i he might have opted out during the season didn't he i think he opted out during the season or did their games just get canceled uh, I think uh, I'm not seeing anything that's saying he opted out. Um, I don't remember him opting out, but I just feel like it wasn't really talked about. I mean, he only had, I mean, he had 91 tackles, so I'm assuming he played the whole season. Maybe so. he, opt, uh, what I'm thinking of, I think he opted out of his bowl game because, you know, Javante and Michael Carter both opted out 91 total and six sacks throughout that, you know, shortened season. Um, and to me, that's because I think the ACC, the ACC was the first, to start. I think it was the SEC, then it was the Big 12. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the, SEC was first, obviously. They're, no, you're right. Yes, thank you. Yep, end of September. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily see this guy being the starter right away. I like him a lot on the Packers, depending on what they decide to do with their linebacker position. Um, you bring in a guy like, you know, a linebacker by committee um, or a guy like still – a team still trying to find their true linebacker. And that's another thing is I think the Packers should be a team. I think the Packers will be a team to address the linebacker position in the draft because we went out, we went after Kirksey. Yes. Low risk, high reward. Didn't do a ton. I think he was very on and off. Um, I was a little bit surprised they, they cut him, but I think it made sense. But for that reason, I don't see them going after a linebacker in free agency because why risk having to do the same thing that um, that happened again? I think I want to say Jay and Brown's still out there, but there's a lot of intriguing linebackers, and I think Chesterot very well could be a guy that should be on the Packers' radar. And I love the thing that stands out too is he played quarterback, so I mean he's his ability to read defenses, and yes, this is a completely like going into the NFL, but his ability to you know read defenses as well as his ability to take hits and be explosive like he is and scream consistency on the defensive side of the ball. He might, I think the one thing too, is he has two years of tape. They're both elite, but those two years might be a little bit limited of eliteness for, you know, some teams looking for that true linebacker. But I, I love Chesterot and I think he, I think he slept on and I think he has the ability to be a potential steal. Yeah. I, I can't agree with you anymore um, than that, Sam. I mean, that is, Exactly what I was going to say. You you look at him from being a quarterback at UNC, so he probably played quarterback in high school, um, moving over to linebacker position in his last two years. And so you know that leadership level is there. You know he's going to bring it. You know he's going to come with the energy every single game, no matter what's happening, what's going on. That's a huge plus, in my opinion. Um, I guess the question mark's here, and it's not really much of a question mark. It's more of are we going to see the development happen? Because he is a very raw prospect. We've mm -hmm. got, we've only got two years of him at the linebacker position, even though he was super productive, mm -hmm. you know, super productive in those two years when he exploded for 115 and 91 tackles respectively. And, you know, that is promising and let's see that, you know, in it's, it's more instinctual. I want to see the instincts, you know, just on the snap of a thing, you, you go like we were talking about Cormoa. He's that way. Give me some of that with Chaz Surratt, and you can start talking about him being like 
a legitimate linebacker in the NFL because he possesses the speed, the athleticism, the physicalness that you want out of a linebacker. It's all instinctual for him at this point is learning that linebacker position to the utmost capacity that he can to be able to be productive in, in the NFL because he can be, he's just very raw because he is new to the position. You know, you can say he's not because he's had two years, but it's still new. And most of these guys who've been playing linebacker have been playing linebacker since they were at least probably in middle school, high school, you know, just starting high school level or whatever. Um, but I, I'm right there with you. I love what Surratt um, can bring to a team. I loved watching him at North Carolina. He was that anchor on that defense. He was the leader, the guy that everybody listened to calling out plays. So you know he's going to be able to provide that. Like I said, there's some missed tackles, you know, angles that he needs to clean up when it comes to that side of the ball. But overall, it's promising because, again, like I said before, it is teachable things for him. Instincts, maybe not so much, but the more and more reps you get, they say practice makes perfect, right? Over and over and over and over and over and over again. You're not going to start questioning where I need to go. You're going to start hitting that hole. You're going to know where the ball is going to be at all times, and you're just going to react instead of thinking. And that's something that, you know, is going to take time for him. And I eventually do believe that it, it will come to him, and he'll be able to be a very, you know, reliable, solidified linebacker in the NFL. Um, maybe not one of the names you speak about on a daily basis, but one of those guys who you want on your team because he's going to get the job done and, uh, and do what you ask him to do. Um, and he's going to be able to help lead that defense for you. But um, you have anything else to say on Chester out before we move on? Yeah, that's the thing I was going to say too, very briefly is his leadership. And he's a bit like the fact that like his character, he's a very cultural player. And we both basically just alluded to like, he has two years of tape that are two years of which are very impressive. Like one, one is elite and Coming off of, you know, still a 91 total tackle six sack season. I, I want to say he did opt out. I think he did because I think every draft, like almost every draft eligible guy on North Carolina, like high profiled guys had opted out because both their running backs opted out. And I want to say Chester was one of those guys. He's a very coachable player. He's definitely not as polished in some areas, but I totally agree with you, Caleb. He has the talent to be not only have a productive NFL career, but potentially be that true linebacker for an NFL team. Not so, it's not gonna. I don't think it'll happen right away. But I think if he's coached right, I think it very well could happen. Yeah, definitely. And then you know, moving on from there, um, man, we're really diving in these linebackers. I like it. You know, this is this sticking off time. We're really digging into these top guys. I think it's just because we've seen a lot of them mm -hmm. um, at this point. And you know, it's it's kind of easy to talk about linebackers. I don't know why there's just certain. You know how we were talking about wide receivers. We spent our time on it and took some time. So mm -hmm. um, this next guy, I haven't really watched a lot of. So I'll kind of let you, you know, lead off here. Um, that's an inside-outside linebacker at the University of Kentucky. Another SEC linebacker here, um, Jamin Davis. Um, haven't really heard a lot about him up until now. So you tell me a little bit about him. I think he had. Uh, I think he had his pro day already. But I might be wrong. Um, but I think the big thing that stands out for him is he's not your starting linebacker, starting typical linebacker. I know Zerlin was a guy that said he's lightly experienced is what he likes to say, he, what he had said. Um, and he, he has limited tape to show, but he has a lot of flashes to show. He's got length, he's got the size, and he's got the speed, but he's not polished. But there is a reason, like his consistency and his ability to make plays have been a reason why he has been one of those draft risers. Um, like, could go as early as the third round. Um, I feel like I might have seen someone put him in the, in the second, but um, this is a Kentucky linebacker, a guy out of Kentucky that has risen up the boards. I'm not really sure what he was, where he was ranked, um, projected to start the season, but um, that's the one thing that, you know, stands out to a lot of people is um, he has, you know, limited elite tape to show. Right, and that's kind of where I was going. I just haven't seen a, a whole lot uh, of Jamin or Jamin, Jamin. I'm going to go with Jamin. Um, <laughs> but he, he's very good in, in um, pass coverage, so that, that bodes well for the speedy wide receivers that he's going to see, whether it's in the slot, running back to the backfield, um, whatever it be. Um, he put up an 87.5 grade this past season, which is good. He's prototypical size, 6'4", 230. Um, looks good. He's got 
you know, some splash plays with three picks um, and one pass break up there. So, I mean, he does really well in coverage. It's, we want to see him more, you know, what is he going to be able to provide in, you know, the run game? I'm sure he's very solidified, you know, I'm trying to think of a good word to use here. I'm sure he can be, you know, motivated to be at least a decent run guy in, 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 at the linebacker position, but um, it's to be seen at this point. He kind of coverage, and so that's kind of why I've risen up boards now, and I understand why, because it's a passing game in the NFL now, so um, you can't fight that there, and, you know, a lot of people that I'm seeing are saying he could be a nice second-round steal with a lot of ups- upside. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess we'll just keep it short and sweet with it because uh-huh. I was just I was just boosting us up talking about we were able to talk a lot about these linebackers and then we run into one that you and I are both like. Hey, there's a, there's a few guys that we'll get to. Dylan Moses I'm intrigued by. Yeah. We can talk um, about more about. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into him. Um, but another guy out of the SEC that is high on a lot of people's, you know, list there is Jabril Cox, um, linebacker out of LSU, 6'3", 229, nice prototypical guy too. Um He's just overall uh, a good guy, good speed, good good height, um, good length. He appears to be a future starter when it comes to the NFL. He went up against the best competition in the SEC, um, so that bodes well for him too. I mean, he finished last season with only 34 tackles and one sack, but the years before that, ever since he was a freshman, he was at North Dakota State, so he was a transfer. Um, he, he transferred over from North Dakota State into LSU. Um, and he played all 15 games his freshman year through his junior year um, at North Dakota State, put up numbers, 75 tackles, freshman, 91 sophomore, 92 junior, four and a half sacks, freshman year, four sacks, um, sophomore year, five and a half sacks, junior year. And, you know, going over into from North Dakota State, who we all know is not the SEC, into the SEC, um, that takes a lot of balls excuse me i'm sorry to be able to do that you know have the confidence to be able to do that not only that but be a starter too and be able to fill in at that position and be very formidable at the position as well he didn't put up the numbers he did at north dakota state obviously it's not going to happen when it comes to sec because it's just that much faster of a thing um or of a game but go ahead and talk to me a little bit about jabril cox and i'm not I, i say this not in terms of talent but in terms of his work ethic, I don't remember how brief or how in-depth we went in on Tyler Shelvin. Um, we had went into the defensive line. Um, but Tyler Shelvin at LSU, high motor. We I think we did. High motor. Um, the guy that plays to the whistle. And I think one thing that stands out for Jabril Cox is, if I'm not mis- – like, actually, yeah. He transferred from North Dakota State. Um, was, you know, a high-profile guy out of North Dakota State. Didn't really do a ton when he got there, but his work ethic, I think, is going to go a long way. Um, a lot of people have been saying he's not a guy that a little bit less polished against the run. Um, you see, I, I'd be anxious to see what he does against, um, you know, shedding off blocks. Um, he's got the size. He has the length. And I think the big thing that stands out is for a lot of people seems to be the like his big upside. And depending on where he go to depending on where he goes and where he gets drafted. I think he could go in the second or third round um, easily. And depending on where he goes, teams might plug him in as a starting linebacker right away uh, because he has several traits that translate very well to the NFL. Um, And yes, like, like I had just mentioned, like the run game, um, the run game, like his ability to shut up blocks, is a little bit of a concern, but the fact that he, you know, went off at North Dakota State, transfers to LSU, doesn't do a ton, but, you know, shows off his work ethic, shows a lot of promise. And you had just kind of mentioned that he doesn't, he might not have these elite stats, but the fact that he's going from North Dakota State and showing flashes in the SEC in a conference that is, you know, arguably the most similar play style to the NFL, I think shows a lot, a lot of promise. Oh, it does. And, you know, relaying back what you just mentioned about his run, you know, I don't even know, run coverage, run stoppage ability, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, It's just, you see a lot of it out of him. And a lot of scouts are actually saying that, you know, he is, you know, the most, 
or the best, excuse me, you know, coverage linebacker in this class. And that's hard to say. Um, you know, there's a lot of these guys are good at, at coverage, but he's not, you know, the most athletic out of this linebacker group or the most explosive out of this linebacker group to be able to have that. Um, but like you mentioned, his work ethic, um, he just makes everything look so smooth, um, very assignment sounded. When, when he knows to play, he is there and he's not going to give, he's not going to let up. Like, like some linebackers will be like, oh, I'm supposed to be in this man coverage and I got beat. You know, it, it happens. But this guy, you'd never see him get beat. You never see him, you know, when the ball is in his play or when it's in his area. He is so assignment sound. He is coverage well. Um, a linebacker um, or a running back out of the backfield, um, you know, in the coverage game at the slot position as well over the middle. So it's very interesting to see him kind of not be talked about a lot. I mean, there's a lot of these guys here that we're not talking about a lot or haven't talked about a lot throughout the season. And, you know, Jabril Cox is going to be one of those steals that in the second, early third, maybe round that you can get that has the utmost potential um, to be a starter when it comes to the linebacker position in the NFL. And we'll move on here. Let's see who we have next. We'll just keep it going. Um, talked about him. Talked about him. Let's talk about uh, Monty Rice, linebacker out of Georgia. Um, we'll keep it SEC dominant here because, I mean, all these SEC guys look like they're going to be day two. Um, day two guys, a lot of them seem to be, you know, headed that direction. Monty Rice, 6'1", 235, um, a little small in terms of his height. Um, but weights right there. He was, you know, solid for Georgia in 2020. He was part of that defense that everybody talked about. Um, but go ahead and give me some knowledge on Monty Rice there, Sam. Um, I mean, you said one of them. I mean, he's just over six foot. He's a little bit undersized, but I think, you know, I think an area where he excels is he's a run. He's a running getter. He's a linebacker that, you know, excels on off the run. <laughs> but uh, right. yeah, that's just the one thing that stands out. Um, I don't see him being, you know, a starter. Uh, but, you know, like Zayvon Collins, this guy, you know, not a lot of people were talking about him as much, but people talked about him a lot more, uh, you know, towards the end of the college football season. Yeah, and he's not, you know, <clears throat> like these other guys we're talking about who possessed an, in, an elite level of speed, explosiveness, you know, physicalness, um, physicality, excuse me, um, things of that nature. He's just an overall well-rounded guy. Um, I remember there was one play, I think they were playing Alabama and they were in cover two. And so in his cover two responsibility, he had to cover Jalen Waddle and he covered him very well over the middle. It was a deep pass and like he was step for step with Jalen Waddle. So he is able to do that. And that's the one thing you can say about, uh, about him is that he has that, that speed. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you can say explosiveness, you can say athleticism, but He's got the speed to be able to keep up with these guys. And, you know, we need to see a little bit more out of that coverage for him. Is he going to be able to do that on a regular basis from the linebacker position? It's to be seen. I mean, at Georgia, when you have such a stacked defense like they had, you know, you don't have to have him do that because you've got guys that are going to be able to make up ground or you can take chances and things of that nature where you don't need your linebacker to cover a wide receiver necessarily or running back out of the backfield and you can let him go because your defensive line is nasty, your linebackers are nasty, your corners, your safeties are all pretty solid as well. So you didn't have to see him make all those plays that all these other linebackers necessarily did in their college football seasons in their last year. Um, but I, I think he's going to be another one of those guys, well-rounded, um, eventually, you know, maybe be one of those starters as well. We got to see more of that, that coverage aspect from him, um, but he's another one of those sleeper guys. I mean, but that run defense on him is, is pretty impressive in my opinion. Yeah, and I think, you know, the fact you just mentioned, you know, Jalen Waddell, a guy that possesses an unbelievable amount of elite speed. Um, and the fact that he's, like, not only, like, stopping against the run is where he excels, but his ability to keep up with those elite speedy receivers like Jalen Waddell. Um, so I think that definitely shows that he's capable of polishing up other areas of his game. Yeah, he definitely is. And, you know, you learn. I mean, linebacker position is probably one of the positions when it comes to the NFL that you'll learn a lot from, um, yep. you know, being coached up. And, you know, that will come with reps, with knowledge, being in that room, watching film, 
um, understanding the playbook, all of that nature. It'll come. And that, that that's for a lot of these guys. All these guys are pretty solid. They're not great, but they're all pretty solid. And we, we stated that from the get-go. It's not, you know, you have the star like we've had in the past with the Roquan Smiths or the Devin Whites or anybody like that or um, Devin Bush out of Michigan. You don't have these guys that are stars, but you have these guys that are going to be well-rounded linebackers coming into the NFL that are going to just be everyday guys. If not everyday guys, they're going to be interchangeable. You know, you can be able to work with them in a, in a situational standpoint, um, but we'll keep it going here and we'll stay in the SEC. And this is who you were talking about a little bit ago, and that's going to be Dylan Moses, linebacker out of Alabama. Um, he, he's, you know, one of those guys that came in with a lot of hype this year and don't know if we really saw it. Um, in the 2020 season, but you know, overall pretty solid guy, 6'3, 230, um, right there with everybody else. Runs a very fast 40, about four six. So um, you know, tell me about him. Yeah, and I, you know, his lack of consistency really showed this season. Um, and I think that is definitely a concern for a lot of teams. His consistency is high motor, but he's still a freak athlete. And you know, he played all over. He played you no, know, I think he played all three positions. Uh, all three linebackers. He displays a lot of that versatility. And I think if he's coached the right way, this guy turns into a steal. And I think that Dylan Moses has the talent to be a true linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. Um, and I, I think I think Dylan Moses, depending on where he is, and I was going to say this too, um, you know, not necessarily towards Monty Rice, but towards linebackers in general, even looking at like all the rosters in the NFL, even just looking at the defensive depth, depth chart for a lot of these NFL teams, a lot of these teams, some teams value linebacker more than others. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a perfect example. The Green Bay Packer, Packers are a perfect, perfect example of how they don't and how they should. <laughs> but <laughs> the Chicago Bears, Roquan Smith, the Los Angeles Rams, who just extended Leonard Floyd, who Leonard Floyd played very well, probably you know should have been talked about more throughout the NFL season. Um, but yeah, I mean, he got that well-deserved extension and there's multiple teams that, you know, should be, have Dylan Moses on their radar. Um, and if I had to pick a linebacker that I think is reasonable, I want Corbo, but it's not happening, <laughs> but <laughs> Dylan Moses is absolutely near the top of my radar on defensive prospects in general, because he has shown, yes, his, in his, his inconsistency and, you know, his motor at times is concerning and you know how much of that you know is going to translate into the nfl but he's a freak athlete and you know he played everywhere over um you know, at alabama playing all three areas of the linebacker position and you know he's got the talent to be a true nfl linebacker he has the talent and that's the word i want to point out he has the talent he has the mindset to be able to do so um, there's just a lot missing. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't, it's coverage. You didn't see a lot out of him. Um, you just, there's a lot going on with him. His instincts are average, you know, um, he has good tackling skills. He has good coverage skills, but we didn't see a lot of it. Um, he needs to read the plays faster, show some more anticipation when it comes to reading those plays. And I don't know if this is a concern to you at all, but do you see any problems with him tearing that ACL in 2019? You know, maybe that held him back this past year. Yeah. And I think that might've been an area where, you know, even a guy from pro football network, I think it was Troy Pauline that said, you, you didn't see him as explosive and, you know, his inconsistency right. during the season, you know, his torn ACL probably played a factor in that. Um, so, I mean, going into the NFL now, he'll be two years off of his torn ACL injury um so i mean hopefully that'll you know i don't even did what did you say his 40 was i didn't even look at his 40 I think he's sitting um, around four six let me check for you yeah four six four six so like not elite speed i'd be curious to see what it was if he hadn't torn his acl um i mean i like it, i guess not the linebacker position but like look at todd Gurley for example workhorse running back in college tore his acl in college, acted up when he was playing with the Rams, and it showed that he could not be a workhorse running back. So I understand that torn ACLs definitely might affect some positions more so than others, like a torn labrum, like I had mentioned a few weeks ago, compared to Rashawn Gary and Jonah Williams. But I think the torn ACL has, you know, started to act up 
throughout the season. I would think so. I that had to have been a factor in some of his inconsistencies throughout. I, I the mean, season. I think it. I think it definitely had to have. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can't. You know, the season you had before that, it, it's promising, and then you go into 2019 and that happens, and you know you're trying to work back from it in 2020, and you're back, but you don't fully trust it. I've never gone through an ACL, um, but I was an athletic trainer for a year when I was in my senior year of high school, so I've got a little knowledge on it. Um, and I've seen the recovery process that happens with that because one of our star wide receivers tore his, um, and it's not easy. You know, it's rigorous, it's rigorous rehab. It's, it's having, not quitting on yourself, like understanding that this isn't the end and it's a mindset game. And then, you know, then you're, you're completely healed. You've got that figured out, but then you've got to translate it back to the field, which you haven't been on in a year. And so it's going to take some time for him to be able to get adjusted to that um last year obviously that was the case but you know moving ahead he should only gain more confidence as that you know moves deeper and deeper into his past and hopefully he's able to keep healthy in in that circumstances because he like we mentioned he has the talent level to be able to do it we just need to see it happen because we haven't seen it happen we've seen promise we were supposed to see it happen we got robbed of seeing it happen and then the year after that it was kind of a letdown so it's like uh-huh. We haven't had the time yet. And that's the thing, too. Like, he is so close. He is so close. And I think there might be some teams that see him being a starter right away. And some teams might look at he's only two years out of his torn ACL where they might want to see him be a rotational guy's first season. He is so close. And I think he has the talent to be a starter right away. And I think some teams, whoever drafts him, some teams might put him in a starting role. Look at the Green Bay Packers. Like he has no, there's no competition. He is Orange <laughs> Burks and he has Kamal Martin. Kamal Martin showed a lot of promise, but one year is not enough. And I feel like I'm missing Chris Barnes. So, I mean, and then you look at other, yeah, I mean, he, he is so close. And like, there, there's some teams where he might start. There's some teams where he might be a rotational guy for at least a year. And teams might see that as, and I think he might even benefit more. Uh, as a rotational guy's first year, especially coming into his rookie season, he's only going to be two years out. And I, yeah, I say only, but it's a torn ACL. Like a torn ACL takes you out for the entire season and it showed throughout the season. And I think it would benefit a lot from him. And he's so close. I think he's got the talent to be that true NFL linebacker. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, but we're running short on time, so that's going to be it for our linebacker class, guys, for you know the NFL draft here in 2021. I'm um, sorry we didn't get to more. There's probably a few more guys that we could have covered here. But like we said, we were very excited to talk about these guys. We had a lot to talk about about them. Um, they're a great group, great class here. Um, but that being said, if you guys haven't checked out our Patreon, head over to patreon.com, um, type in Unwrapped Sports Network up there in the search bar, find us. Join us, you know, in all of our talks, whether that's in the Discord or anything else. It's an awesome part to be a be a part of. Um, there's a dollar level, there's a five dollar level, and a ten dollar level. You get different, you know, exclusivity things when it comes to each level. So at that ten dollar level, you get entered into a drawing um, or a raffle for a signed memorabilia item. This month we've got a David Montgomery signed Bear jerseys, which is awesome. Last month we had a Keenan Allen signed jersey as well. Um, at the $5 level, you get entered into a $5 or a $10, excuse me, Amazon gift card raffle, which you can also get at the $10 level as well. At both of those levels, you get added to our discord, which you are able to interact with all of us contributors, all of us sports heads, um, in the discord that we got going on at Unwrap sports. Um, and not to mention only that, but you get exclusive content in there as well, especially when it comes to gambling. Um, I know Corey, um, really keeps up with that, really loves giving you guys exclusive content, but, um, head over to patreon.com. Type in Unwrapped Sports Network. Go ahead and join us. We love you guys. That $10 is worth it just to be entered in that raffle for me. Um, $10 every month is not a whole lot. That's two trips to McDonald's, maybe even one, you know, like depending on what you get. So, um, you know, go check us out, um, teespring.com. Also, our, our shop, it's awesome, teespring.com backslash stores backslash unwrapped. All of our merchandise and apparel there. MyBookie.ag, use code USN100 for double your first deposit. And then RxHemp.com, head over there, get you some all-natural CBD pain relief cream, and use code RxHemp-USN for 10% off every single one of your purchases. Um, before we log off, guys, I'm going to throw it over to Sam. Um, you guys can follow me at CHSNOL, but Sam, any last things before we sign off? Uh, no, I mean, I appreciate the shout-out at the beginning. I was just going to say that today or right now. Um, the Blitz, go follow the Blitz. All right, for the Cards Wire. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, you said Tribeholics, you still write for Chop Chat. Still writing, just not as much as I was. Uh, I'm just staying busy now. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun stuff. So, um, I, I think that's going to do it for us, guys. We appreciate you, you know, coming in here, listening to us talk about, you know, NFL prospects. Like we said before, we're going to have a mashup with the hard count with CJ and Connie. It's going to be fun. We're going to work out the details for that. We'll let you guys know via Twitter, um, the Unrest Sports Network. I'm sure we'll throw something out there as well. So um, we'll communicate with the, with you guys about that. But um, once again, guys, thank you for tuning in. And this has been another edition of Saturday Standouts. <laughs>